Hello, and thank you so much for being here at 10. I'm Sharon Phillips. Tonight, members of the Verdigris community gathered to mourn the loss of three children taken in the murder-suicide Thursday night. 2 News Oklahoma reporter Bernie Meyer spoke with a parent of one of the victims who is looking for change. Billy Jacobson, the father of one of the victims, is speaking out, saying he hopes he can prevent another tragedy like this. This tragedy took the lives of three children. Six-year-old Bryce, 11-year-old Noe, and Billy Jacobson's baby, nine-month-old William Billy Mitchell Jacobson. Officials say Brandy McCaslin, the mother of all of those children, shot them and then turned the gun on herself. This is the sweetest, um, easiest baby you could ever ask for. Never saw anything but good come out of him. Billy Jacobson said this could have been prevented. He thinks Brandy McCaslin should have never been given custody of the children. Jacobson says McCaslin dealt with serious mental health issues. He said she made previous attempts at suicide. Now he's hoping change will come from the top. Praying that we can get a law enacted so when somebody tries to commit suicide that there's a, a mandate on how long it takes before they can get their children back. And if they do, someone's held accountable. But Jacobson was not the father of the other two children, but extended his sympathy to them as well. He said he loved them just like his own. Jacobson said he's had his own issues, but is back on the up and up. Some of those fathers that turn their lives around are trying to do right are some of the best parents out of any of them. And I, I believe we should have at least equal help if we're actually doing what we're supposed to do. Jacobson told me he felt like he did not receive that help. Overall, he feels cheated by the system. And the attendees here also made a point to thank the first responders that were here on that fateful night. Reporting in Vertigris, I'm Brody Myers, 2 News, Oklahoma. It's time for another episode of The Father's Truth. The show where real men band together. Stand up for father's rights and bring the father's truth out of the darkness. Of the darkness. Out of the darkness and into the light, giving fathers a voice everywhere. A broadcast brought to you by the Fathers Lives Matter Network. Here's your host. Here's your host. Alan Donovan. Alan Donovan. All right, guys. I am Alan Donovan. It's Friday night. It's time for another episode of The Father's Truth. So tonight is a it's a very special episode. It's a very horrific episode. You know, we talk a lot about the fears as fathers and stepmothers when we're in the family court system as to what if something happened to our children and we hear all too often these situations where mothers have killed their children you know we hear about that all too often you know i think you know i've been keeping tabs on it and it's been like one or two every fucking month since the start of 2023 last thursday in Oklahoma, Billy Jacobson's 10-month-old son, Little Billy, was murdered by his mother. He is coming on the show tonight to tell his story 
about it. So without further waiting around, let's go ahead and get him in here, guys. I was saying it's something that we all fear. I know it was something that was always in the back of my mind when I was fighting for custody. What if, you know, Billy, Hi. brother, how are you doing tonight? You know, I'm holding up. Um, that's really all I can ask for at this point in time. It's been such a tragic, unexpected event. I mean, I say unexpected. Um, no one thought it would be to this level, um, but there were definitely signs ahead of time. Well, let me first start off by saying I'm so truly sorry for what happened to little Billy and his brothers and sisters. Um, Thank you. you know, I can't even imagine what you're going through since I woke up last, I think it was Friday that I reached out to you. I woke up and saw it on Friday and I was just like, holy fuck, it's happened again. And I took the, I took the chance to reach out to you, you know, to offer my support and then to invite you on here to tell your story because we hear about this so often, but we don't ever hear about the people it affects. You know, it's just once it happens, you know, things happen and then it disappears and rolls over into the next one. And I wanted to, I wanted to make the time to get you on here to tell your story because it's a very, very serious thing. And it's, it's something that happens on a regular fucking basis. It does. It does. It's, it's surprising. I realize more and more now that it's happened to me. Um, you know, just when I, for instance, when I go to search, uh, search for one, I, it's kind of a sad deal, but I, I, I searched mothers, um, mothers killed children, Claremore to my family comes up twice in that search. Mm. Um, I lost, which that, that, that incident was, it was due to dr drunk driving mm. and such, but, uh, but the, the, all the other ones that came up when I searched that it's so much more prevalent than you realize. Um, it, it's, it's unbelievable how much is swept under the rug. Yeah, it's it's not something that's talked about, um, you know. And I've been I've been keeping tabs on it. I've really been keeping tabs on it this year. And you know, I pulled all the stats because the technical term for it is called filicide. That's what it is called when either either parent, mother or father, kills their children. It's called filicide. And if you do the statistics, if you look at the, the statistics from 2022 back to 2016, um, it's 70.1% of all filicides are committed by the mother. Now, that's the yeah. mother by themselves in your situation yeah. or the mother with someone else, which, you know, nine times out of 10 ends up being a boyfriend. Yes. But yes. over 70%. And I've posted about it this so many times and I, people oh that you're crazy you're making stuff up you're making shit up i'm like no i'm not this is a government report that anybody can pull up and run the numbers yeah and as soon as i give them the site to pull up to take a look at the numbers they shut up because they're like oh shit this is real yeah. nobody wants to acknowledge it it's such a sensitive subject we've been so pigeonholed to um to look at mothers as the parent, the home, the parent that stays at home and takes care of the kids, and the father is the one that goes out and makes the money, you know, and provides the living. And our our world has changed. Um, you know, th things are different. Um, things are much more equal. More women work, work, and guys stay home. I mean, you know, that that kind of stuff is so much more common. So our system and our laws need to be adjusted as so. 
Um, and it, it is definitely not the case. Um, I know personally, I, I have a, another custody case with my two daughters going on right now. Um, and I, I'm five years sober. Um, I got my life together. I'm, I'm doing amazing. I've had, never had a failed drug test. Yeah, thank you. Um, and and, and uh, you would think that if you actually, you know, follow the system and do what you're supposed to, that there would be at least assistance um, for somebody trying to do, you know, go above and, or actually, in my opinion, do what you should do in the first mm -hmm. place. Um, but when I was in that situation, I mean, I've been talking to people about it the last couple of days. Um, I was able to go pay a several hundred dollar fee to go to a safe net here, which is the women's shelter. I was able to do that. I was good enough to pay $25 a week and go for 52 weeks. And if I missed, you know, just a few, I mean, I'd be in trouble again. Um, and I was good enough for that, but I wasn't good enough to stay in one of the rooms they have there. Um, and, and there's nowhere here. Uh, I was talking with my mother about it the other day. And uh, when, when I asked her, I said, or I mentioned that, that we need some change as far as shelters and help for men that are trying to do something, take care of their kids or in a, in a toxic situation. Same things that, you know, you would need as a woman. Um, and she said, well, there's John 316 in Tulsa. That's told me so much um, that we're so conditioned to not having any resources for men that a homeless shelter that is too dangerous for anybody to really be staying in in the first place. You dang sure can't bring your kids yeah. to it. Um, that is what people look at as resources for me. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I do believe, like, with any number of the um, issues that came came up with me and Brandy when I was with her, um, any number of those things that if I had done those, I wouldn't see my babies again, and if I did, it would be a long time. Yeah. But she did it, and the first thing that everybody was worried about is the baby was young, and we need to reintegrate him back into her home. She was on psychotic, uh, you know, psych, med, psych meds, and I told the judge, I told my attorney, I mean, I told everybody that she was on psych meds and breastfeeding, and everybody just kind of looked at me like, you know what? Yeah, they what they don't do? they don't care, and that's and that's no. just that's the crux of the issue here is like you were talking about services for men. Yes. There are none. There are no, no fucking services for no. men. And, you know, if you're a woman, oh, God, there's everything. There's Section 8, there's WIC, there's SNAP, there's cash benefits, there's welfare, there's everything under the sun. But if you are a guy, you are told basically tough shit, go get three or four more, more jobs and yep, work I, yourself to the point of exhaustion. Yep, you're absolutely right. Um, I, I got, not long before Billy passed, um, I finally started trying to get food stamps on my kids. Um, and when I did, um, I went to my my two daughters, um, their mother had already filed on them. And she, they don't even live in the same city. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I turned them in, I, I did everything I could to make sure that they knew that this is not, you know, this is not right. I'm, I'm taking care of the kids and she's getting everything. And the only thing they could tell me is it's first come first serve. Yeah. Um, but now I know myself, I know men personally that have had to pay back their benefits that they got for food stamps because they didn't do something, you know, didn't write it down right on the paperwork or whatever they did, you know, mm -hmm. weren't doing exactly as they, they put in the, uh, in the application, but we're in a situation where it's, right in front of your face, someone's milking the system. My kids are the ones that are losing out from it, and yet nobody was willing to help me. You know, yeah. I, I've ran into that all the way through this situation. Um, you know, Brandy, apparently there's been many incidences before the first 
incident when we were together. She's had multiple suicide attempts. Um, in the news reports, they talk about it. Um, that they knew Brandy by name. They knew they could have drawn a diagram up of her home. And, and, and yet, you know it's that bad. You know that it's a giant risk. And yet, nobody felt it was a time to be the one that stands up for those kids. Um, it, it's never happened. There's a failure on every level. So let's let's take this. Let's roll this back. How long were you with Brandy for? I was with Brandy about a year. Um, when I, I got with Brandy, probably I would say January, February of the year before. So that would be, I guess, 2021. Um, and, or no, that would be 22, 22, because it was the start of 23 when the first incident happened. And uh, we were together. I hate to say it, we weren't together long. We were only together a couple weeks, and we found out she was pregnant. Um, and then. When I found that out, Brandy's attitude changed immediately. Um, she, which she had a hypermesis gravartum, or I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. So she had major morning sickness day and night, um, which I can't contest that. You know, I'm not her, and I saw what she went through. So I tried to be there for mm -hmm. everything I could. Um, but Brandy decided the moment that she found out she was pregnant that she wasn't doing anything around the house. The kids, you know, the kids did everything, whatever I couldn't because I came home from work and I cooked, I took care of kids, did everything I was supposed to. So there was a dramatic change in her mindset immediately beyond the physical capabilities. Um, and, and I wondered what was up. I really started to question things then. Well, I stuck, you know, stuck with her, obviously. I mean, I didn't change anything that I loved her. Um, we had a kid coming. Well, she, her depression just got worse and worse. Um, and we were together about two months. And I noticed we had no emotional slash physical relationship. She didn't, uh, she just didn't, not only did she not want anything to do with me physically, but there was no like walk by in the hallway and, and pat him on the butt or put your arm around him, you know, something to show you still care or love mm -hmm. him. That was gone. Um, and I brought it up. Well, one of her first, one of her go-tos was I'll just go have an abortion with Billy. And it wasn't Billy then with the baby said, I'll go, I'll run off and I'll go have an abortion and we won't have to deal with any of this. I freaked out. I tried to break up with her then um, because, I mean, what choice? I not only, you know, I'm, yes, I'm worried about the safety of my son, but that's already what's on the table with what she was threatening. Mm -hmm. um, so I had to, you know, I, I felt I had to. Well, she begged me and told me how sorry she was. And we stayed together. And a couple months later, Brandy was threatening that she was going to run off and I would never see my son again once he was born. So I started realizing things weren't good, you know, there, there's some major issues up uh, upstairs, you know, she had some de definite emotional and um, mental health issues. Um, I stayed with her while well, her grandparents started getting sick. Um, they lived here in the same town as we do, and we did in Claremore, and uh, we offered to come stay with them, take care of them, and, and, and make sure they were okay, make sure they didn't lose the house. Well, we moved over there, and when we did, um, her grandma, uh, grandfather was the first one to go downhill really bad. He had a stroke. Um, I'm In the process of all this, I, I fixed up this house. I set it up so they would have their own little mother-in-law suite or whatever in there so we could take care of them because we had hospice come in. Um, and he was staying in there. So things, you know, they definitely got more rough, and I definitely saw the effect on Brandy. Um, she, she was definitely going into more and more of a hole the longer this stuff was going on. Um, and while we got down towards, towards, um, near the time that all this happened and it was probably, uh, maybe a week and a half before the first incident, that was January 16th. Um, a, a week or two before that, her grandpa got really bad 
and he passed. Um, he, they ended up putting him on a feeding tube, and, you know, he ended up having infections, and it got really bad. Well, he passed, and we when we were living there, we found out that her grandparents had not been paying the mortgage. They had tried to get COVID assistance mm -hmm. to try and save the house. Well, they never did any of the paperwork, okay. um, and I, I'm sure ment mental faculties probably had something to do with that, um, but we were going to try and save it. So I kept asking Brandy to do the paperwork, try and save the house. Um, I'd come home, and she still hadn't done anything. So I started to worry about it, and I said, well, let me try and do this with kid gloves as much as I can because um, I'm trying to be sensitive to the situation, you know. Um, and I had my mom come over while I was at work to try and help her with the paperwork. Well, when I did, my mom got a hold of me afterwards and said, Brandy's telling me that you're m making her stay at this house and she doesn't want to. And and I she didn't let me help her with the paperwork. This is the first I'd ever heard of anything like that. Um, so I came home, and I talked to Brandy. And I, I stood at the doorway, um, and she was in the bed, and that will come into play while I'm explaining that. Um, she stu I stood in the doorway, and she sat in the bed, and I talked to her, and I said, you know, what, what is up with this? I don't, I don't have any idea where this came from. Brandy denied it, tooth and nail. Um, and I, she was my, my partner, so I wanted to give her the benefit of the doubt, but I also, I'm real, you know, something and I know. That, yeah, absolutely. Um, and so we had a small disagreement, but it wasn't anything major. Um, went to bed everything was fine we slept next to each other it was like knock it didn't happen um i got up and went to work the next morning and i got a call uh well it was actually a message from her daughter saying mom's got a gun in her mouth um come home now so i tried to call 911 and um my, i couldn't because i was in tulsa kept going to tulsa so i called my mother and had her call 911 and i rushed home um when i got there there were police everywhere um, and when I went to go to the door, they wouldn't let me in. They told me nobody's going in this house. I said, I live here. My child's in there. My, my, and by the way, Billy was nine months old, just so you nine know, months. Okay. Um, I, I've been wanting to correct that. Yeah. Um, and, but, and I apologize. I've seen, you know, several, several news stories that yeah. said he was 10 months old. So my apologies on that. No, no, absolutely. You know, no disrespect. It's it just, uh, you know, it's, it's something, there's been a lot of, different stories out there and that's that's the real one um yeah he's but uh but yeah I, I i sat outside and i tried to find out what was going on well the police wouldn't even tell me anything um I, they treated me like i did something wrong and and i sat out there and sat out there and it started raining i'm standing out in the rain and they kept finally they come outside and they said look here's what's going on brandy says there was never a gun and i said I can show you text messages from her daughter saying otherwise. They're like, well, we, they said that there's not. And uh, I said, no, no. I said, there's a gun in that house. I'm telling you now. And they said, well, where would it be at? And real snotty to me. And I said, it would be in, on top of the bathroom toilet in the, in the master bathroom. That's where she used to hide it. They found the gun. Um, and they, they finally come out again. And they said, oh, I guess Brandy had a couple of her friends over there. And uh, they come to me and they said, okay, here's what needs to happen. We're going to take Brandy in for uh, evaluation. And you need to find a place for you and your daughters to stay. And your son can stay here with her friends. And I said, no, I don't know what you're thinking about. No, 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 no. That's my son. I said, I'm, I'm leaving with my son. Well, they said, that they, they kind of tried to talk me into it but i wasn't yeah. going for it and they said they said well fine i'm gonna go back inside and talk and see what we can figure out and they did came back outside with the same story again look we're not going to do this all day 
She need you need to leave that boy with those girls. We're gonna take her in, and you can figure it all out later. But for right now, you need to go ahead and go. And I said no. I said you that's not gonna happen. I said you'll have to take me away in handcuffs. So that's my son. And he said, well, sir. He said I looked at your record, and he said I don't feel comfortable with you taking your son. I hadn't had anything on my record in years. I've been doing everything I'm supposed to. I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm great as far as far as showing that I've changed. And uh, I said, sir, I said, if you're really going to keep threatening me with DHS, I said, why don't you go ahead and call them? I said, because you don't realize this from talking to me. But I said, I went through every program that they could possibly ask for. And I said, and honestly, you want to go to the recovery community in Claremore? I said, I'm a success story. I blew my hand off halfway through of me getting sober, most of my hand, um, in a fireworks accident. And I kept going forward. I stayed sober. I took care of my kids, and I did everything I could. So I told them, I said, those people up at DHS know me by name. I said, you go ahead and call them. But I said, I'll tell you right now, when they show up, I'll be walking away with that base. See, and 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 that's one of the things that pisses me off about law enforcement. Because generally speaking, I am a back-to-blue guy yeah. for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. What pisses me off is when you get into these kind of these custody situations, these domestic situations, they always default to the mother. Here we have a situation where she's got a fucking gun in her mouth and they're like, oh yeah, okay, just you just leave your son with her. Come on. Yeah. What the fuck? I, I agree completely. I mean, and on top of that, you know, um, they also, instead of taking the guns into custody, whereas if it was a man, they would mm -hmm. do it in a heartbeat. Um, they didn't take the guns into custody. They asked Brandy who she wanted to take the guns. And it was the friends that they ended up having be supervisors in the long run. They sent the guns with her and she took them back home. I'm, I'm doing my research now. I'm trying to get police reports and stuff to find out because I have a strong suspicion that the gun that killed my son, Bryce and Noe was the gun that was taken in January. I was just, I'm just going to ask you that if that was the yeah. same same weapon. I think, I so, think it was it was a semi-automatic pistol, and the one that killed them this time was a semi-automatic so pistol. So, the daughter that texted you was that was that also the daughter that lost her life? Yes, Noe. Noe, she was an amazing kid. Uh, she had had such a rough road of it. Her mom had spent her whole life teaching her. You know, like Noe was a small girl, and she spent her whole life teaching her that she can't do things by herself. She has to have help with everything. Like my daughters would take out the trash, and then it would be her turn, and she'd say, "You guys got to help Noe." Noe wasn't the youngest kid. Noe was older than my youngest. Um, she she was really. There were some issues. The, the term Munchausen syndrome has been passed around. Yeah. Um, she, she thought Noe was sick every day. Noe had gotten letters from the school repeatedly because she would keep her home all the time. Um, and, and there wouldn't really be anything wrong most of the time. Um, there, there's definitely multiple deep-seated issues with her. And I'm not exactly – I may never understand the depth of what those yeah. are. Okay, so for those of you that are just joining us, Billy's telling us about – so this would be the first suicide attempt, correct? Yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. So that, so basically the cops are kicking you out, telling you to get the fuck out without your child. Yep. Okay. Yep. And so well, how, so how did this how did this particular issue get resolved? Um what we did I I I moved in with my mother. Um we we left that day and I contacted an attorney immediately. Um me and me and um, Noe's dad, um, Ryan, um, we both contacted an attorney, and we applied for um, emergency custody immediately. Um, we were granted. Um, we got the kids. 
um, and Brandy got out a few days later. It might have been four days later. I'm not exactly sure the exact days. It wasn't long. So did they do, um, did they Brand- do a psych hold then for her? Like a 72-hour hold? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's what they did. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then they sent her back home. And we. there was probably... It was a couple of weeks before we had a hearing for the emergency prote- emergency custody. Um, when we went back for the emergency custody, um, they they were saying that they wanted to try and start working towards reintegrating Brandy into seeing Billy. With Billy being as young as he is, and she was pushing the breastfeeding thing, that was something that she tried to use as a weapon. I don't know if a weapon, as a tool mm-hmm. um, to say that Billy has to be in my custody because I'm breastfeeding. Um, also a very common, I, like I, which is another very common issue that yes. mothers like to use when it comes to young children is the whole, well, I, I'm breastfeeding. He's got to be with me. You know, I, okay. Yeah. You can pump it and freeze it. Done all Thank you. Thank you. Time. I bought her a nice pump. She had a nice yep. pump. It wasn't an option to her because that's not what she was interested yep. in. It wasn't. Yeah, it was control. That's one big thing with Brandy, you know, that's a common denominator across the board with her. She had been spoiled rotten by her grandparents the whole time growing up. She never really had to tough things out. Um, so she was fairly spoiled rotten. She was used to being in control of every situation. I believe that this was the one of the first times in her life she wasn't in control of the situation. And I think it was more than she could handle. Um, she didn't know how to do it. She couldn't. Not only could she not take care of herself because of her grandparents doing everything they had, um, she could not handle being in control at the same time, which is definitely a tough combination. Yeah. Okay. So you guys get, you guys get emergency custody and then, and then how did it, how did the situation play out leading up to last Thursday? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I talked to DHS. Um, DHS had said that, that what we need to work towards is getting Billy back in her care. Um, and, and they didn't say full time because I think they knew I wouldn't go for that. And to be that honest, their opinion of Brandy and the things they said to me along the way, they said they didn't trust Brandy. They said Brandy lied to them about everything. She still wasn't taking responsibility for the first suicide attempt. And they had two people because when she tried to attempt suicide the first time, she walked up to her daughter, the 10 year old, and she said, I'm going to go be with them on Papa. And her daughter saw the gun and said, Mom, please don't. No, don't. And she goes, you shut the fuck up or I'll do it even faster. And then when she didn't get the response she wanted out of her daughter or the fulfillment, she went to her nephew's room. And she went to his room and did the same number. But Jace is 17 years old and a big boy. He jumped up and wrestled the gun out of her hand. Um, and that, that that's how that progressed through that. But uh, but yeah, the Brandy, Brandy um, definitely... I, you know, I want to, I want to say that mental health is a huge thing. And I do, I even personally, I don't, I don't hate Brandy. I, for one thing, hate's not going to help anybody. Yeah. Um, it's only going to poison us. And we've already been through so much pain already. This system failed not only me, but it also failed Brandy because there are, there are huge deficits in our, our assistance and, and help for men that are trying to do the right thing. And I absolutely believe that is one of our huge issues. We also have such a huge issue with our mental health system. Um, when, when Brandy went in on that first, um, the first court date, they asked her about, about her treatment. If she had gotten her treatment done or anything like that. No, she hadn't. She said she hadn't. They had, they had, and, and they said that COVID had been going on and they were having trouble having, they were short on resources and whatever else. 
So I felt personally that we should have held off on her getting any visitation. Yeah. Um, but they went ahead and pushed it through and I signed it. Um, I, I can't say that I didn't. Um, but it was at, at the at the guidance of DHS, um, who is supposed to be, you know, that's from what I know, that's their yeah. job, you know, um, and, and that's what they said was best. So I went with it. Um, we dealt with that for a little bit. Brandy, Brandy. Now, this there's another side to this, too. Um, I don't know if I told you and it has gone public that Brandy tried to change Billy's name. Yes. As soon as I wouldn't go back to her. Yes, Brandy. And I've talked to several people since then. And that is also an extremely common situation when it comes to parental alienation like that. It's another weapon that they use that they hold over the father because, you know, one of the big things with fathers and their children, especially boys, that's our legacy. That's our last name going to them, and they're going to propagate that last name on down the line. And you change that last name, you know, it changes everything, you know, and it it, it really, it fucks with a lot of fathers. And you would not think from the outside that, you know, changing the name would be a big deal, but it's a huge thing. So it's another control mechanism. I have two other daughters, and I, I I never thought you know, I always thought I wanted a boy, and I didn't realize how much I would enjoy being a father to two daughters. It's amazing. It's it's it fulfills my life. Um, but having a son, it gave me that legacy to go forward. Plus, not to mention, my son come out looking blue eyes just like me. I mean, he was a mini me. You know, there's so <laughs> many things to tie into when it's your son. You know, I had him his own little fitted ball hat to wear backwards. You know, that match mine. I mean, it's just so many things like that. And she wanted to take that away as much as she could. Um, she there was so much toxic. Like I believe this would be considered like um financial uh financial or something like that, financial abuse. When I was with her, when I left, I wanted to get me in my child me and my daughter's belongings when we left um the, i tried to get them after brandy got out brandy promised me over and over and over that she would find a day for us to come get our stuff never did that day kept getting pushed off kept getting pushed off finally eventually i had to file in small claims court and 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 it took me six months to get my belongings and when i did um i went to small claims court and brandy's intentions showed Okay, like I had tried to be really nice to Brandy and work with her throughout all this because I want to be considerate. She was my son's mom, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, If she's going to do what she's supposed to and things are safe, I want her to have a part of his life. That's what was best, you know. But, you know, Brandy never took that into consideration. When we were in court, she uh, when they weren't giving her the answer she wanted, she said, how about what, what about the abandonment law in Oklahoma? And I've been talking to police for six months. They knew this wasn't an abandonment situation. Mm-hmm. And the judge got angry. She said, ma'am, I can't believe you just said that. She, and Brandy, immediately after she said that, she said, well, I'll tell you this. She goes, I bought the kids' um, Christmas presents off of my grandma's card, and I'm keeping those. I, I, it was just something the most cold, cold-hearted means. The, the level of selfishness it takes to not only act that way but to ultimately do what she did it 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 blows me fucking away literally i cannot understand how you could do that to your children i just i can't fathom it i I never will you know it's it's unbelievable how could 
Yeah, and you know, you know, I mean, you know the, the thoughts that go through my mind all the time. It's just like, how could you, how could you as a person do some of those things, especially, you know, those other kids, um, Noe and Bryce, they were like my children. Um, I stayed in their lives after me and Brandy split up. I was going to, I went to Noe's horse show and her graduation. Bryce, I had just bought him clothes a couple of weeks ago. Um, and I pulled his tooth for him a week before he passed. Um, I stayed in those kids' lives and she used them as weapons. She would, she would try and make sure that if he was pissed at me, I didn't get to see them at all. Um, she, and, you know, just haunts, there's a lot of the, um, a lot of issues with Brandy too that didn't come to the surface until after she passed and all this happened. Um, she put on an amazing show for me and my family. Um, she, she would act so sweet. I buy, I was buying her diapers cause she couldn't afford diapers for Billy and I would show up. And it, it, it reared its ugly head at times because I showed up the last time with diapers and she said, don't you think you could have bought loves? She's like, I don't understand why you're still doing that. I'm, I'm buying this the diapers. Ingenuous, ungrateful. Completely ungrateful. There was just some major morality issues there and all of them tied into selfishness. Mm, man. Okay, so leading up to last Thursday, yeah. was there... Was there any outward sign of this that was you know, brewing or anything like that? Um, yes. Yes. Um, Brandy had lost. I'm just taking a stab at it, probably 50 or 60 pounds over this time since we split up. Um, she had lost tons of weight. Um, her actions, just her mannerisms, she was very erratic and shaky. Um, and it had been noticed by DHS and everything. Like, I don't know the exact dates, but like a week, I, I want to say a week and a half before the murder uh the murders brandy got released from supervision for dhs with bryce i do, i don't understand that like how could you release somebody when you've watched them they were in the household coming at least once a week for god knows how long you watched her lose all this weight you watched her handshake every time and when i had a, a i had a talk with dhs about halfway through the the time between the first attempt and the second um and we talked and they said when this report comes out from DHS, it's going to be a slam dunk. They said it's really bad. They said that she's lied to us so many times. She's not doing what she's supposed to do. Why the fuck were they not getting those kids out of her care then? They knew. I don't know how many people have messaged me since this happened and said, we knew that something was going to happen. She's done. She, Brandy had shot herself in the chest before when she was with the guy before me, a while before. I didn't know this. She'd always told me the guy shot her, um, and I didn't know anything about it. Well, I, I talked to several of her friends now, and Brandy one night got on Ambien and was out Just of her out head. Of yeah. And, yeah, and started telling the whole story of it. And Brandy admitted that she didn't want that guy to, that guy was trying to break up with her. And she, for her way to make sure he didn't, she didn't lose him, was to make sure he had to take care of her. And he shot, she shot herself in the chest with a 40 caliber. Oh, um, shit. Yeah, she had a huge scar. Wow. A huge scar. And I, I mean, you know, when you love somebody, when they tell you the story about things, you want to believe them. I, I very much so want to see the best in people. So mm -hmm. I took her word at that. Well, that and, was not and we've, we've all been there. You know, when we start dating somebody, you know, you, and you fall in love, you know, everything they tell you is gold because yeah. you think the world of them and you expect yeah. them to be truthful and honest with you. So if they tell you, yeah. My last boyfriend shot me in the chest. It's like, holy shit, I'm so sorry, yeah. babe. You know, you, you obviously didn't deserve that. Yeah. yeah. Come, come, yeah, come to find out. What a horrible guy, you know? Oh, God.
Well, I told, you know, when I was with Brandy, I was, we were together. This is another thing that happened when we were together about that two months when, um, when she had threatened to have an abortion. I pulled Brandy to the side in a, um, you know, in a nice manner because, uh, I, honestly, I've had enough rough, crazy relationships in my life. I don't want to live like that anymore. If I got a problem, I'm going to talk to you. Um, so I pulled her to the side and I said, Brandy, I said, I don't know if we're going to be able to make this work. I said, you have too much anger and distaste for men in general. Um, I noticed the way, like the way that she looked at things and stuff. It was like the guy doesn't have any rights to his own kid. Mm -hmm. Like, and, you know, it was my body, my choice. But I and I understand, you know, everybody's got their own outlooks on abortion and everything else. But when it comes down to it, it's not your choice when it's a child involved. You know, it's one thing when it's an abortion and I have my own opinions and everybody else does, too. But when we're talking about wait, a child you know, she's talking about running off with him and stuff. And she's like, I, I'm carrying him for nine months. I can do what I want. Well, while she was carrying him for those nine months, I've been supporting her that whole time. Brandy had seizures the whole time that she was pregnant. And I was in and out of the hospital in Tulsa. I mean, we were in the hospital for a week at a time, multiple times. Um, we went through a lot, lot of stuff. I don't say I earned it, but I feel like I deserve that. That's my my child there, you know, and I've I've rode through the hard times with you. And she just didn't think that just because I had a dick between my legs that I had no say so, well, and, you know. And um, and that's always been my biggest argument uh, about that whole thing when you get into reproductive rights. Okay. You know, there there's that field of thought where it's, you know, a woman's body her choice, which you know, fine, okay, whatever. But my biggest argument with with that is she did not get pregnant on her own. It yeah. took two people to create yep. that child. Yeah. Why is only one having the the ability to make choices and decisions and the other one is left out in the dark? It yeah. should not be that way. If you're able to get yourself pregnant asexually on your own, yeah, sure. Do whatever the fuck you want. Then it's truly yeah. your child. But yes. if you lay down and you get pregnant by someone else, that's not truly only your child yeah that's their child yeah. too yeah and they deserve a say in it thank you um you know i have a i have a he's still my stepson but um i have a stepson from my daughter's my marriage with my daughter's mom and uh he's 23 now i believe and uh yeah he's 23 and uh he when he was younger he was uh 18 i believe it was and he got a girl pregnant the girl ended up being a, a rough character it wasn't good um that girl ran off and ended up having somebody pay her to to sign for an adoption. Um, and, and when he found out, this was before the babies were born and everything. These were twins. They were twins. Um, he's destroyed about it. Um, but, you know, she he went, got a great attorney, did everything he could, spent thousands of dollars. And those people still have those children and they won't even let him see pictures of them. And he never had a say so in it. That's yep. so wrong. I, I can't agree with that in any way, shape, or form. Yep. Nope. I absolutely agree. So let's talk about that day. Yes, sir. So, and I kind of talked to you about this in the, the pre-call. You know, when I was doing my research and reading everything, there's a couple of contradictory articles out there floating around. Yeah. Um, one of them was stating that there was a, a local police officer just out patrolling and he saw fireworks yeah. being shot up in the sky and he somehow backtracked it to brandy's house yeah. and he found that somebody was holding 
or she was holding, excuse me, he found that she was holding another woman hostage in the garage and then it moved to this multi-hour standoff, which ended in the deaths yes. of the children and then ultimately Brandy herself. How did, how did that day play out? Um, okay, I, I was, uh, I, I don't remember what I was doing. I was driving and I got a call um, and it was, or no, actually, I guess I was at home. I got a call from uh, Mr., uh, Mr. Shackelford. He's the, comp uh, he's a police chief over in uh, Vertigris. And he says, there's an incident at, at Miss McCaslin's house. Do you know about it? Um, you know, basically informing me that the, you know, asking me if my son was there. Um, and I said, yes, he's there at visitation. And he said, we've been trying to contact her and we have had no contact. We cannot reach her. Can you please help? So I tried and I tried and I didn't have any luck at all. Um, not it left on unread every time. So uh, he told me not to come down there. I, I waited and for just a few and I was like, I gotta go. I can't do this. Um, so I ran down, I went down there, I drove down there and I pulled up and there's police everywhere. Um, they're set up behind trees. Um, the SWAT team wasn't there yet, but there were snipers around and stuff. Um, and so I knew it was serious. Um, we ended up sitting out there for probably three hours um, waiting for something to happen because they tried on the bullhorn. They tried everything they could, and they couldn't get any answer. Um, in that time frame, one of Brandy's friends, Anessa, showed up. She was with one of the firefighters, and she ran up, and she was crying. She was a total mess. She said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Well, come to find out what had happened is Brandy had told this girl, Anessa, that was one of her friends that was super, was acting as a supervisor, which that's another issue in itself. But anyways, um, she was the, the supervisor. She called her and told her to go pick up her daughter, Noe, over in Owasso, which is about 20, 25 minutes away. Um, and she said, make sure and call me when you leave. So she didn't th think anything of it. Um, she got in the car and went over there and got, got Noe and headed back. Well, normally she pulls into the garage. They close the garage door and they go inside. She pulled the garage, the car in the garage, and Brandy came out and told Noe to get in the house. She didn't think too much of it, but she went over there and started to get her son out of the back seat when and she, because she had her two her two kids in the back, her two sons. Um, one one's how old? Uh, one's four and one's nine months old. Um, she she went to get her nine month old out or no her four year old out, and when she went to go stand up, Brandy had a gun to the back of her head. Oh shit! Um, and, she, and this is her friend. Yeah, Yes, yes. Um, the one that she'd been had been helping her supervise and everything, um, doing her so many favors. Um, she did more for Brandy than anybody else did. Um, but she pulled a gun on her, told her to give her her keys and her phone, and that she wasn't going anywhere. She went in the house. Okay, Billy, Billy hold up one second because we're coming up to the end of this Instagram session. Um, so what I, I don't want you to have to rush because there's still a bunch more stuff that we have to talk about. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and end this one, guys. I'm going to end this one, and then I'm going to turn around and come back on, and we'll come right back into this. Okay, guys? Okay. Okay. Okay, guys. Thanks for coming back in. We are back for part two of this heartbreaking episode. Okay, Billy. Thank you. Welcome back. Okay. So when we ended up this last part you were just saying that her friend so her friend had just pulled up was getting her kids out and brandy was there with a gun in the back of her head yes yes yeah yes she was 
Um, yeah, Brandy, Brandy had put a gun to the back of her head and told her that she t wanted her phone and her keys and uh, that she wasn't going anywhere. And she had locked, she had pulled the garage door down and I guess apparently it shut the power off to the garage so she couldn't open it. Um, so Brandy went in the house and slammed the door and locked it. Um, the girl tried to get in the door. I guess she threw all kinds of stuff at the door and couldn't get in. Um, she said she went and sat in the car for a couple minutes and then said, fuck this, you know, I'm going to do something. I can't do that. She was scared, you know, and uh, she got out and she heard what she described. She hadn't heard a gunfire before ever in her life. And she told me that she heard the door. It sounded like a door slam a couple of times. And I, you know, you know, that had to have been what it was. Um, and she she freaked out and she was trying to figure out how to get out. She broke out the glass windows on the front of the garage and started shooting Roman candles out of it. Um, and that's how somebody saw um, saw that she was in there. I guess maybe it was a police officer that was patrolling. Um, but then they came, um, they got her out of the house, and then that's when all the standoff and everything started, and we progressed from there. So, um, so in in reality, chances are that the kids at least were have been deceased for a couple hours. I I believe. Oh yes, definitely. I, this is what. Personally, I believe just from what I've what I've learned since the incident, I believe because Brandy had messaged me as well at about two thirty, um, and asked she asked me about a week and a half ahead of time before this if she could have an extra hour with Billy that day. So she knew she was going to do this, and there was no reason to need an extra hour. Um, and she, I believe, at two thirty, she messaged us, and I believe that she that's probably where she killed Bryce and Billy. Um, I think that she did that because then when Noe got home, she wouldn't be seeing them, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. That from, what, from everything I've heard and how many gunshots and all, um, that's what I figure. So, so was, it, was she still alive during this standoff? I don't believe so. I think she was dead. They were all dead. I, I, I think she killed Noe and herself right after she went in the house. Um, when, when Anessa was there. Man, you know, that's, you know, I, I can't imagine what you're going through right now. Cause just hearing this, you know, it brings tears to my eyes, you know, and, and yeah, man, it was, it was an amazing boy, man. I'm 41 years old, man. And, uh, you know, I, I've been told a couple times I didn't have any business having any kids at this age, you know, and uh, and God knew that, man, because um, he gave me like the most perfect son you could ever ask for. Oh, boy, never, never got to really cry. He would fake cry, you know, ah, ah. <laughs> just to get your attention. <laughs> yeah, he was so happy, man. Um, I, I, I remember the one time I tried to um, I tried to lay him down and make him actually cry it out at night. He was there maybe five, ten minutes max, and he was doing the fake cries, and he had just started learning how to say dada. And, uh, at, boy, he figured it out real quick when he wanted out of that 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 uh, playpen. He was he was laying in there, and he goes, dada, dada, dada. <laughs> what choice did I have? You know, I had I had to go pick him up and hold him, and, uh, and I'm glad I did. Um, I'm glad I did, because it, none of that matters now, and I'm... Yeah. I spent every second I could with him. I wish it had been a whole lot more. Um, but 
I don't know. It's just, it's gonna take a long time of reflection and uh, and processing for me to figure out how to deal with this because uh, you know, as the first couple of days, I was a total mess. All I did was stare at the wall and cry my eyes out. Yeah. Um. Then I realized, which I had already realized it, but I, I knew I had to get up and do something. This has to can't be for nothing. They can't have died for nothing. Um. There has to be some change. There's so many failures on so many different levels. Um, Judge Smith, when I was uh, in court, is one of his last cases. And uh, it was one of the last times we went to court. I talked to him, and we, we were in there. Brandy was asking for unsupervised. She'd only been getting one hour of counseling on an iPad once a week, and nobody had checked it out. She hadn't even been telling him about the first suicide attempt. Um, they, it was a different counselor, so they didn't even know about half of it. And the DHS report, nobody took that into account. So Brandy goes asking for unsupervised and overnights, and we're like, no, you know, this is you haven't done what you're supposed to do, you know. Um, what what would make you think you're ready for overnights, you know? Uh, and the judge says, well, do you do you object to this to my attorney? And my attorney says, yes. So this is this is not, you know, it's unsafe. Um, we don't feel like that's the right thing to do at this point in time. And he sat there for about five or ten seconds. And when he did, he's like, I'm going to give it to her. No reason. No no common sense. Nothing. Um, and that decision right there was one of the, the, the crossroads where it was a decision that cost the lives of my son and those two other amazing kids. What was, what was the judge's name? Judge Smith. I'm I'm not sure of what his first name is. Will Judge you, Smith and Roger when Brown. when we get offline, will you send me his information? I absolutely okay. will. I absolutely will. You know, and and this is a perfect example of these motherfucking judges that sit on these benches that make life changing decisions. Yeah, and they have absolutely no fucking accountability for this none none if you bring something up against him i guarantee he will hide behind his judicial immunity and yep, there absolutely won't be a thing you'll be able to fucking do about it i know uh, i know i know i mean the, my, my 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 only action of recourse at this point i don't i don't know i you know i've probably got people i need to talk to to find out what my action of recourse is but i do know that dhs in particular total fa failure total failure um, well, and, and we hear about it every day, whether it's DHS or CPS, yeah. you know, they, they fail constantly. They fail on an everyday basis, but they are given so much fucking money because at yeah. the end of the day, your son, my son, everybody's child that is listening that went through the system, they're just a fiduciary number. Yeah. They're a bottom line. They're a bottom line. Just a business. Yep. I agree 100%. That's our biggest problem. It's not about what's right or wrong, what's good for the people, bad for the people. It's what shows on paper. Um, and that that's all they care about. We can't make any change. It's like, you know, I've heard suing and all that stuff been brought up about this situation. And, and you know, I, I can care less about any money or anything like that. It's, it's you know, blood money. It's mm -hmm. horrible. But, you know, one thing I realized, we, when you file complaints and grievances nobody listens no nope. nobody cares the nope. only thing they'll listen to is something hitting them in the pockets because i, I know i've done everything you could possibly ask of somebody to do what you're supposed to as far as getting taking care of your kids and i have done nothing but hit brick walls every step of the way because i'm a man yep. well and and you know to expand upon that even further 
Let's say you sue DHS. Let's say you sue this judge successfully. Yeah. Yeah, you'll get a settlement, but then the motherfuckers will turn around and do it to somebody else the very next day. Yeah. Because yeah. At, at, at the end of the day, they don't care. I made a video a couple days ago, a reel, talking about your situation specifically and how at the end of the day, you know, be, because the motto of the family court system is what's in the best interest of the child. Bullshit. Yeah. Bullshit. No, not, we wouldn't, yeah, see, we wouldn't see shit like this. If it wasn't yeah. in the best interest of the child, your son and his brother and sister would not have been in her custody unsupervised. Wouldn't have happened. Yeah. It wouldn't have happened. Yeah. They wouldn't have been in her custody supervised. Yeah. At the end of the day, it is in what's in the best interest of the fucking court system and what yeah. brings the court system the most money. That's all the court Absolutely. system cares about. Doesn't care about yeah. you. Doesn't care about your son. Doesn't care about me. Nothing. It cares about itself. Yep, you're absolutely oh, right. That's fucking disgust me. Yeah, it's it's a big business. It's it's not for the good of the people. It's for what lines their pockets. Yeah, it's the way it is. And, and what what and makes I, them the most amount of money? Yep, yep, absolutely. You know, I don't know how many people. That's okay. Here's a for instance. Okay. Um, I, w I was on drugs by over five years ago, um, and so I do understand, you know, that it ended up being a situation where I probably should have been on drug tests, but I didn't get any drug charges. I had domestic violence charges, which were unfounded. There's no evidence of anything in the case. I got railroaded and stuck in jail until I agreed to sign papers or told I was going to get 13 years, um, and I ended up having to, to do all that. They Once I... I, once I did everything I was supposed to, I've done nothing but fight with him every step of the way. Nobody's been there to help me. Um, no, nobody, nobody's, um, nobody even acknowledges that I did what I was supposed to do when it comes in. It's like when the police showed up, you know, all they cared about is that I was a man. I had any kind of record whatsoever. And that was, was all that mattered. They didn't, didn't want to let me take my son. But yet I had nothing I had done that day. I had done everything I was supposed to do. You know, I... I I, I had stayed out of trouble for years. I had no involvement in the situation that day. But, yeah, they were going to take the child from me and give him to one of her friends. Um, yeah, our whole system, it's just, it's all about money. And, and uh, like, I think that they should have been on supervised by DHS with a licensed professional is what the visitation should have been when there's safety like that. But it's so set up for money. Um, they make it so expensive that, I, I honestly felt wrong if Brandy was trying to do what she was supposed to do because who's going to want to pay you know $75 for a couple of hours to see their kid? I would do it in a heartbeat, don't get me wrong, mm -hmm. but it's not sustainable. And so it shows their intention. Their intention is not family, you know, family unification or safety of the children. It's funds. Yeah. That's all it is. It is. I mean, if you look at the child support system in of itself, so for comparison, the NFL brings in roughly about $50 billion a year, yeah. given, given the year. Yeah. Child support, it's over $200 billion a year. I believe it. You know, and, I believe it. And then, and then if you go down the rabbit hole of the child support system, you find out that, you know, for all the child support that a man pays, you know, there's a kickback that that court gets from the federal government. So it, it's, it's completely incentivized yep. from top Absolutely. to bottom. You know, and, and I say this all the time and it pisses people off. But the fact of the matter is mothers don't bring anything to the table when it comes to the family court system. Fathers bring it all to the table. Fathers are the ones that pay the lion's share of everything. You're right about that, though. I absolutely agree. You know, Brandy, Brandy never got an attorney. 
Brandy went through all, all this and got everything done that she did and never got an attorney. I paid thousands of dollars. I mean, why would she have the same considerances and have the same similar outcome when she doesn't even get counsel and she attempted suicide with her children in the room? Yeah. How could somebody like that get the same considerances as somebody like myself where I have, I mean, I have amazing references. Everybody in town knows who I am. I, I've been doing great. I take good care of my kids. Everybody knows me, knows I'm a good daddy. That's who I am. And, and yet it was not a, a drop in the bucket. It should have been obvious what the situation should have, how it should have gone. It didn't. Brandy didn't do anything she was supposed to. Most of the time she was supposed to go to court. She hadn't even done the requirements that they asked for the last time. But yet they still put put the kids in monitored supervision. And then the people that were supervising were her friends. Yeah. I, I appreciate the first set were a nightmare. They were terrible people and they were a horrible influence on Brandy. So I have nothing good to say about them. But the second one, she did more for Brandy than anybody else had. And I, I respect her for that. And I, I want to make that very clear when I state that, that somebody shouldn't be their friend supervising, that it's not her fault. And I do feel that she did everything she could and more. But the, the failure is in the system. That yeah, shouldn't even be there, There's an inherent bias already there present. If you are supervising your friend, you're all automatically inherently biased. You know, it's it's yep. supposed to be, you know, an unbiased third party that has no emotional attachment to yep. either the mother or the father, somebody that can objectively supervise. A friend can't well, do that. I'm no, sorry. No. And and having the one for the friend that she had supervising in the first portion, how are you going to turn the firearms over that she just tried to commit suicide with? How are you going to turn those over to the person that is supervising? No. I mean, those should have been confiscated by the police and not returned. Thank you. Thank you. I agree 100%. I don't, I don't understand it. There's so many facets to this situation that I don't understand. And a lot of them I probably never will. But I can tell you this much. Um, until my last heartbeat, I'll be doing what I can to make sure that I do understand it and make what change I can. Because those babies deserve that. And that's exactly what I'm going to do. There's going to have to be something happen from this because they can't have died for nothing. They were the sweetest little kids you could ever ask for. And and she got to take that away from all of us. And, and you know, you reap what you sow. I'm sure Brandy will be getting what she has coming to her, you know. But that doesn't fix anything for anybody else. All the damage they've done it's, that she did, it's, uh, it's never going to be repaired completely. How are, and I know I asked you this previously today, how are your two daughters doing? You know, they're holding up as good as they can. Um, that's that's definitely a, a tough, tough situation. Um, Alex and Zoe were so angry at me because they found out that Brandy was pregnant and I was having a baby. They, they, they just hated the idea. They were the best sisters that anybody could ever ask for it. They spent a lot of time with Billy. Um, they, they used to take him in their room and go play with him and hang out for hours at a time. And they were so close. Uh, Alex, Alex, my 14-year-old, has done very well. Um, I'm, I'm impressed. Now, do I think I see the full depth of it? No, I don't. Um, she's been through so much already. I'm sure that she's holding a lot of it in. The one that I'm more concerned about is my 11-year-old um, daughter, Zoe. She is a very much so an introvert, and uh, 
she sets in place her games all the time and minds her own business. She opened up for Billy, and uh, they were really, really close. And uh, I, I know I can't see how things really are with no. her. When I have seen glimpses of how she feels, it hasn't been good. Um, oh, I'm really concerned. And like we were talking earlier today, you know, now is the time where, you know, you have to be the rock and you have to focus on them because, like you said, they've both gone through so much that, you know, you can't let this tragedy drown them. Yeah. Yeah, they deserve, they, they don't deserve that. They've already, they're already going through so much as it is. Um, and I'm going to continue to be daddy, you know, that's, Brandy's not going to have stolen that from me. Um, yeah. I'm going to be there and I'm going to take care of them and I don't care how hard it is because that's who I am and that's what they deserve. But, and you, yeah, you have, better. you have to take care of yourself too, you know, because so many times in these kind of situations, one of the things that gets lost is your own self care. Because, you know, you have to, you have to pay attention to yourself and you have to take time and take care of yourself because, you know, the, the honest truth of this is, you know, with this kind of tragedy, you could easily lose yourself yeah. again and go down that path, go down that path to addiction. You could relapse all these things so very Absolutely. easily because it's, it, it, it's a common thing. It happens, you know, that's, I'm a firm believer that this is, the sole reason why there is such a huge drug problem and alcohol problem is people have so much pain in their life that they use these substances to dull that pain. And if you've fought through that previously, you know, it's a comfortable harbor for you. You've been there. It is. It, it definitely is. Um, I guess I just hit, hit that point in my life where I realized not only is it not healthy for me, but it doesn't help. It, it, it's I, I, I come out worse than I w would be in the first place. And it took me years to figure that out. I really hate it that it took as long as it did. But now I don't just stay quit because it's illegal and, uh, you know, it causes me problems or whatever else. I, I like my life now and my kids are happy and I'm happy. Um, you know, I'm a mess right now. And, and this is just going to take the rest of our lives to get over. Yeah. Um, but the alternative is 10 times worse. I can't imagine dealing with the anxiety and the feelings I would have to deal with if I was walking around high. Um, yeah. So, like, I, yeah, it's, it's just not an option. And, and those babies, they deserve better. Um, I, they don't have a voice. So I'm going to be that voice. I'm going to I'm going to do everything I can. I've been contacting senators and uh, representatives. I have a couple of uh, child advocacy groups that are behind me so far. Um, we're going to push some law changes through um, one. And one in particular is uh, they're talking about doing a Billy's law, which would um, it would apply to um, custody interference. Um, if they, you know, if, if they mess with your arrangements for your custody or visitation, that there's actually a penalty for that. People have gotten away with murder for that. Mm. I have a whole mm. notebook behind me over here because my attorney told me to document everything. Um, I, I can't tell you how many incidences there are in that notebook where Brandy skipped out on getting Billy over anything and everything. So, you know, I'm not here to villainize Brandy. But the true story does need to get out. Like one of the last ones in particular, here's one. Um, she had a doctor's appointment at like, let's say 930, I think it was in the morning. So we kept Billy that day. 
which is fine. I'll take him. I took him every time that she didn't want him. I don't care. I'll take him every moment I could have him, you know. And uh, and she she didn't. You know, she did her supposedly did her doctor's appointment. Everything was fine. About a week or so later, we were talking in a conversation, and she says, "Well, you know, I it really stinks. I missed that time with him. I I had a doctor's appointment that morning, and I went and go to find out it was another day. Why did you not?" Come call us to try and get your son back. You didn't, it wasn't about getting Billy or being a mom to Billy. Unfortunately, with as manipulative as Brandy is and it uh, was, and the things I'm seeing, everybody was a pawn, and I was too. I realized well, that. And, and and a lot of these cases, when you take a you know a ten thousand foot view, so to speak, yeah. you know you see the manipulation you see the narcissistic behavior yeah. and, it, and it always echoes in on one particular aspect of that person and you know you're seeing it here now you know one of the things that really got to me when you know before i reached out to you and i was just reading about the situation was there are a number of sites that described her as a loving mom who would do anything and everything for her kids and i just want to go who the fuck comes up with this feel-good shit? She just murdered her kids. I want to tell you something about Brandy, and, you know, I'm not one to talk ill of the dead. Um, yeah. I can tell you right now, I this whole situation with Brandy dying, too, has it's it's hurt me. Um, I, I don't know how to feel about it. I feel guilty if I feel bad for her. Um, you know, I, there's so many facets to that that I just, I've got to learn how to process. But... I want the real, the real story to be out there. Um, when I was with Brandy, there were at least two to three incidences, and I don't want to quote three without knowing for sure. Um, but I know there were at least two where when Brandy was pregnant and she didn't feel good, and Noe, it was Noe that it happened to in particular. Noe come in the bedroom, just talk to her mom about something, and she didn't get two words out of her mouth. She wasn't even saying anything yet, and her mom started screaming and cussing at Noe. And I had to tell her, I said, Brandy, don't talk to your daughter like that. I was like, yeah, that, that's not okay. I said, I, don't, I know you don't feel good, but you don't speak to your child like that. She's innocent. And she apologized. I'll give her credit where credit was due. But it wasn't a only one-time thing. This happened multiple times. Um, Brandy, was, Brandy, when she was nice and sweet, or at least projecting that, she was the sweetest person you could ever meet. But the one commonality between most of the people that I've talked to that have dealt with her on a regular basis, that was not always the case brandy could be nice as pie if she was getting what she wanted yeah. but the minute that she didn't you've never seen a crueler person in my in your life um and, and that was something that i just it took me time to see and i wish i had seen it much earlier um you know it's hard to know how to look at it i thank god that i had nine months with billy um if i could have avoided the whole situation together I don't I don't know how to feel, you know, because yeah. I never could. I wouldn't miss out with my time with Billy for anything, but I don't wish what I feel in my children and my, the rest of my family. I wouldn't wish that on anyone. Yeah, you know, and it's, you know, like I said at the start of the show, you know, for fathers that have gone through the custody system, this is the number one thing that's always on the back of our minds. You know, what if? And unfortunately for you, it wasn't a what if, you know, it. it it was a reality, and you know my heart bleeds for you and your family. You know one the one one thing that it always it reminded me of is like you know on Back to the Future when they'd have the picture and you'd watch him slowly fade away. 
that's how it felt watching my son go. Because I knew. Everyone around me knew. The police knew. DHS knew. But I just sat there and watched bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. Slowly make it easier and easier for something to happen. Until the inevitable did. And then now, we're where we are now. Um, I, I just... I don't know. I really don't know how what to do with myself at this point other than to try and make some change. And that's, you know, that's the only thing really that you can do. You, I mean, obviously you're going to grieve, yeah. you know, but at some point in time, that grieving turns into something else. And it's yeah. when it turns into something else that you have to focus that rage, you know, that grief, you know, into a tool to reshape the future you know so this doesn't happen to somebody else in oklahoma you know yeah. this doesn't happen to somebody else in minnesota name your yeah. state you know make a change make a positive change use this momentum to positively focus into it and you know I, i'm a firm believer that people come into people's lives for a reason you know little billy was in your life for nine months you know, let this be the reason that he was in your life. You know, yeah, so you know, I can say, shepherd you know, that and make changes for other men. That's uh, so, you know, I've I've spent my whole life, at least the majority up into it, about five years ago, being an outcast of society, being a drug dealer, doing things I'm not, you know, not supposed to be doing, not 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 being productive member of society, and I always felt throughout that whole time. That there was nothing I could do to change this world to make things better for anyone. I didn't have the power, you know. Um, unfortunately, at the cost of my son and my bonus son and daughter's lives, I, I feel like maybe that's a possibility now, and I'm not going to let that pass up. If there's anything positive I can pull from this situation and make those kids not have died for nothing, until my last dying breath, I'll be doing it. And, that, and that's And that's what you have to do. You know, you have to, man, you have to find a positive to pull out of such a massive negative situation, you know, and it's, it's going to be a struggle for you down the road, you know, because we're what a week removed from this happening. You know, you just laid your little boy to rest yesterday, you know, and, and like I was telling you when I, we first started communicating, you know, when my mom passed away, you know, I, I had this amazing support net while you know, it was happening. And then when she died a little bit after that, but eventually everybody goes back to their lives. Yeah, I know that's, that's the and, part I've been, I've and been you're left with, you're left with what you're left with and you have to be able to salvage that and, and make a go of it. And that's, that is the most dangerous time when you're at the biggest risk of falling yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've been concerned of it. Like I said, you know, I lost my nieces before, so uh, in a very extremely tragic fashion. Um, so I know how it hit me last time. Um, and this is my son this time, you know. So I know it's going to be really hard. I've been trying to prepare myself for it. I know this big surge of, for lack of a better term, excitement, you know, all the action that's been going on. I, I jumped headfirst into trying to get some changes made and getting in contact with people. But in all reality, you know, um, they don't go back into session in Oklahoma until February to May of next year. Um, it's going to slow down. Time. Yeah, life is going to slow down and things are going to be, you know, there's going to be a lot of slow nights where I'm sitting here quiet and missing my son. And I'm, I know it's going to be hard, but uh, 
I'm a strong person, and uh, I, 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 very, I'm very adamant that I know I can make some change in this world. And I, I, if it saves one child, no matter how cliche that sounds, it's worth every last bit of effort that I put into it. And and that's what I intend to do. Yeah, and you know, I, I've talked to you pretty much every day since this has happened, and yeah, you know, I yeah, will continue to do that. You know, you have my contact information. You know how to get a hold of me. Man, brother, if you just, if you, if it's just hitting you hard one night, man, just reach out. I will drop what I'm doing to talk to you without a doubt. You know, because as, as Ponyboy Williams says, we are bonded through our trauma. Yes. And we are, you know, we are brothers. Yes. You know, that, that's why I've said this many, many times. I refer to other fathers as my brother because we are brothers. We, we are brothers. To, we yes, went to war. Yep. I, I've, I've been criticized for that in the past. That is something I say on a regular basis. Um, brother, I call somebody brother. We're all brothers under God. And we're all yep. brothers and sisters under God. And that's one of the problems that we have nowadays is nobody, nobody looks at it like that anymore. We're all get what you can get. Mm -hmm. And we're not, we're not, you know, it's not trying better the next man next to you or help him. It's, it's do what you got to do to get by. And uh, that's one problem with our society nowadays. So I'm behind it 100%. You're definitely a brother, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate your support. Absolutely, man. And like I said, I will do anything and everything I can in my power to help you. Yes. With, with what whatever you need, because no father deserves to go through this. No father deserves to have buried their nine-month-old son. Yeah, no, man. That's uh something i'll probably uh have to cope with for many years to come and uh that's this is the only way that i know to deal with it is to try and try and make it not for nothing you know um i just, just wanted to i have a small picture of my son i'd like to show absolutely so please I, do so i'd like to remember him it was fourth of july it was his first fourth of july and nobody wanted uh my mom didn't want us to take him she was scared he'd be afraid of the fireworks but he was so mesmerized. So um, I always want to remember him watching the fireworks. <laughs> that is an amazing shot. Just I can see he's looking up at those fireworks just with wonderment. He was. He was. He was an amazing boy, and I was so blessed to have him in my life. Brother, I wish I could give you a hug, man. I really do. You're doing more than enough, brother. This is all I could ask for, and it means the world. Well, you know, like I said, man, you got me crying again. Um, you know, you you know how to get a hold of me. We're gonna we're gonna end the end the show with this. You know, and and everybody out there, please say a prayer for Billy and little Billy and Billy's brother and sister that tragically lost their lives in this situation. You know. We got to get together. We got to work together to change this so this doesn't happen to somebody else. Yes, sir. I agree 100%. All right, brother. So much love to you and your family, from my family to yours. You, you know, and please, like I said, don't hesitate to reach out to me. I got ever. I, I greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much. And anything I can do to help you in your fight as well, I'm here, brother. I appreciate it. I will be reaching out to you, you know, the next day or two, just kind of checking on you and see how you're doing and everything. That's great. I greatly appreciate it. And I hope you have an awesome evening. All right, brother. You have a great weekend. Thank you so very much for coming on. All right. Thank you.
you so much. Okay. You have a nice night. Will do. Oh, wow. Um, man. So this is probably the toughest episode that I've ever done. You know, Billy is such a strong guy, without a doubt. You know, I was really thinking about this over the last week, trying to get ready for this episode, and thinking about could I do what he's doing right now? And, you know, honestly, I don't think I could. If anything ever happened to my son, I'd be done. Lock me up, throw away the key, you know, or I'll throw away the key myself, whatever the case may be. But, you know, the amount of strength that he's showing is unbelievable. You know, guys, please hug your children tight. You never know. You never know when that moment is going to be the last moment that you have with them. You know, unfortunately, this is what it is for Billy. This is his reality. And he's got to recover from that and push his way forward, you know, and I, I really, truly hope he takes their sacrifice and makes it a powerful sword to change the system. So with that being said, I'm going to go give my son a hug and tell him I love him. And, um, you know, thank you everybody who stopped by. Thank you, Billy, so very much. I know this is truly hard for you. You know, it's been a week since your, your son was murdered. So thank you for coming on. And, you know, this goes out to any father that's out there. My contact information is readily available on my Instagram. My phone number's on there. You know, if you ever find yourself down, you're missing your child, whatever the case may be, you know, and you need somebody to talk to, reach out to me. All right, guys. Oh, I hope everybody has a great weekend. You know, stay safe, everybody. And I will be back next week with another episode of The Father's Truth. I'm Alan Donovan. Take care, everybody. Thank you for joining us and listening to The Father's Truth. If you would like to be a guest or know someone with a story that needs to be heard, email Alan Donovan now at thefatherstruth at zohomail.com.